0: I'm absolutely convinced that all men, including you and I, have hidden potential that's not been tapped into. The team and I have designed a quiz for you to work out what that could be, and there's a link to it in the show notes. I'll tell you more at the end, but for now, enjoy the episode.
1: But I think it's interesting to look at yourself and say, why why do I need to go out and get shit-faced on a Friday night? Is it because I'm not happy? Is it because I don't have the confidence to meet someone otherwise? And I think, yeah, you know, there's a lot to be learnt from
0: that. Welcome to Stories of Men, beneath the surface. I'm Alex Melia. Join me as we discover what it means to be a man in the modern era. Have you ever felt pressure to drink when you really didn't want to? Today's episode features professional ultracyclist Jack Thompson who, it turns out, sometimes feels that pressure too. Australian Jack Thompson set the world record for the most kilometres ridden in a week. Recently, he was cycling with a big group in northern Spain. This was during the off-season, so the ride was more about socialising than competing.
1: We were heading up north to the to the coast up to the french border typically coastal spain white buildings sandy coastline and you know blue skies chugging along at a pretty nice pace we reached the top of the the first big climb for the day and made our way down to the the port of port de la selva and i remember quite clearly the sound of the freewheels wheels buzzing as we were lined out one by one descending this beautiful coastal road down to the to the sandy shores and, you know, the wind was in our ears. It was cold, but it was blue skies. You know, it's just a beautiful day to be on a bike. Yeah, I was just really looking forward to wrapping my hands around a, a hot cup of coffee and, you know, watching that steam rise off the off the coffee and enjoy something sweet to eat. And yeah, it's, it's fun, like, sitting there with the guys and having a chat. And when we got there, uh, we had the coffee and we're sitting there and one of the boys said to me, you know, you're gonna have a beer and, um, Sort of looked at him and he was smiling at me and you could tell, you know, it was off-season, he was ready to sink his lips into a, into a cold beer. And I said to him, no, I'm probably, probably not gonna have a beer, mate, I you know, haven't drunk for a couple of years. And I remember the, the conversation around the table, it went silent as though everyone had heard what I'd said. And you had the bunch of 12 guys said, what do you mean, you're not gonna have a beer? And I said, well, I, I don't drink. <laughs> All the eyes were on me. I had, you know, 12 guys around the table looking at me, surprised, you know, why aren't you having a beer? It's off season. At first I thought it was a bit of a joke, you know, like, yeah, I don't have to have a beer, you know, we're midway through a ride, you know, I'm gonna carry on and go home and get on with my day. But, you know, it was this sense of shock that I wasn't gonna have a beer. And almost like I was a bit of a laughing stock, each of them nudging one another, you know, what do you mean he's not going to have a beer? Like, you know, some quiet laughs. Quite intimidating, you got guys looking at you and they're all there together, and it did make me feel quite uncomfortable. The look of, uh, you know, you're not one of us. You're different. You're, you're weak. You're not one of the boys. I felt as though, you know, I actually wanted to go and ride home by myself. I didn't want to be part of that group anymore on that particular day. I guess I felt like a, a black sheep.
0: Did you ever thought in your mind of, oh, maybe I should just cave to this peer pressure and get a beer just to appease them?
1: No, I didn't have any sense of caving in. It probably made me more, I was probably more wanting to stick with my initial decision not to have the beer because, not because it's a sense of weakness, but because, you know, no, I'm going to show them like I don't need to have a beer.
0: How long did that whole exchange stay in your mind for?
1: Um, I'd say it, it probably stuck with me for a good couple of weeks, you know, that whole off-season period. Um, so no, let's just say six, six to eight weeks, it sort of stayed with me because, you know, every, every five or six days, um, you know, we get together and go for another ride and it, I almost became nervous on, what, on accepting to go for these rides because sure, I was up for going for the ride, but I wasn't up for sinking a whole heap of piss in
0: and around the ride. Mm. Why do you think there's so much pressure on guys to drink? A lot of times I've been out in the past with friends, bars, nightclubs, or whatever. What I tend to do, because I know there'll be just be insane peer pressure to carry on drinking, carry on staying out till 3, 4, 5 a.m. What I do, and a lot of English guys do, is they just disappear. They just go home. <laughs> they don't tell anybody because you know, if you tell someone hey, I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm going to go soon. They say, wow, what are you doing? You should stay. The, the, the night's only getting started. We're going to have some shots of tequila. We're going to have beers. We're going to have vodka. I just disappear completely. And I remember being out at Stagdo last November, November 2021 in Liverpool. And I remember being out. It was about probably 1 a.m., and there was about 10 guys in the in the club and there was three, four of us outside and three of the guys said who were outside with me said, oh, we're just going to go into the bar next door. And I said, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll see you in there in a second. I just completely lied. And what I did, it was about, We'd been out all day. So it must've been like a 12 hour thing. I was so tired by the end of it. I would had a lot of beers. I'd say a lot, five or six beers. I was tipsy, I wasn't drunk. And they went into the bar and I said, yeah, 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 I'll be there in a second. Five minutes later, I just dashed off down the street and went to a noodle bar by myself and had an amazing time. I was there for about an hour, got right into these noodles, lovely bit of vegetables and everything else that came with it, the soy sauce, and had a great time in solitude. But yeah, why is it that we put so much pressure on other guys to drink beer and to drink alcohol?
1: It's a good question. And I think it stems back to when we first turned 18. If I think back to when I first turned 18, I did have a lot of fun going out and drinking with the guys. And I think we almost associate drinking with having a good time. By saying no to a drink, it's like you're refusing to partake in having a good time with the guys that you're with. And so I, I've, I've been in a similar position where, you know, I'm out with a bunch of guys and I've never been a, well, I was a big drinker and a, a big party drug user growing up. And I think I've, I've essentially done my dash. I don't need to do any more. And, you know, I've slowed down. And where the guys can, you know, in the past have had five or six beers, you know, I might only be able to handle three beers because otherwise I'd be legless on the, on the floor. And so, you know, if we're doing something like rounds, it becomes almost a little bit embarrassing because, you know, I'm going up and buying these rounds and I'm not actually buying a beer for myself. I'm actually just buying beers for the rest of the guys because, you know, I don't need to have another drink. And I think it's, it almost, you know, it's it's a sense of like machoism, like who can drink the most, who can handle the most it's we, I think we associate drinking with, you know, being a bit of a warrior.
0: It's really interesting you say that. You don't drink equals boring. You do drink means you're an interesting and fun person. And I don't really know where that's come from, but I think there is this sort of pack mentality and you don't want to be the one left out, like you said before, when you, when you ordered coffee and everyone else ordered beer.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, especially growing up as men, like we're trying to define who we are. And I think as young adults, we have this sense of wanting to be a man, whatever that may be. You know, we all have a different sense of what a man is. But I think growing up, we're really intent on trying to find what that is and trying to define ourselves. And as an Australian, and perhaps it's the same in the UK, like we grow up, men should be strong. They should be resilient. They should be able to withstand hardship. And I think, you know, drinking becomes a part of that you know you should be able to drink six beers and still stand up and walk to the next place and you should be able to do this because if you can't you're weak you're not a man and i i don't know where it comes from but i definitely feel it's uh yeah i I think it's changing though let's be fair i think it's changing
0: yeah i think there's definitely a step in the right direction i almost think the whole macho thing about being able to handle it not just beers is handling the hangovers oh real men can handle A long hangover. You know, say if you go out on a a Saturday night and you have a hangover for the whole of Sunday, be a man about it. Lick your wounds—not lick your wounds, but you know, be able to deal with that. Deal with the headaches. Deal with the vomiting. But why? Why go to that extreme of having that? I mean, as a 35-year-old now, I think you're 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 34, aren't you? So why would we just waste the whole day in this of horrible hangover feeling when we could actually use that day? more constructively.
1: And I think, you know, working a typical nine to five, Monday to Friday, it becomes even more extreme because you get two days off a week and you're going to spend one of them hungover. Like it doesn't <laughs> really make a lot of sense. Like I was all for going out and, you know, like I want to do things on the weekend. I don't want to be stuck at home drinking, you know, Powerade trying to replenish my electrolytes and eating shitty food. Like I'm, there's more of a life than that.
0: Like, if you could tell me what was your worst hangover that you've ever had that was almost a trigger for you to say, "Enough is enough now I'm not going to drink anymore."
1: Um, for me, my background it was a lot of drinking, but it was also a lot of drugs. Like I can think of an instance where I was actually in Indonesia of all places, and I was using gear in Indonesia, and I woke up the following following morning after a big night out and I was not like, not in a good way. Like my blood pressure would have been all over the place. Like I was dizzy. Like I didn't really know what was going on. And I came back to Perth and I was having these sort of like weird spasms in my mind. I didn't really understand what was going on. I actually had to go and see a neurologist and they did some scans of my brain. And they said that I was that close to actually cooking my brain. Um, that for me was yeah, you know, the absolute wake-up call. Like, you know, I, I was that close to, to overdoing it. Yeah, you know, I don't need to do this anymore. Like, enough's enough.
0: It's interesting you had that experience because you, I suppose it, the health scare is always a big motivator to stop doing something. But what, what made you just go completely cold turkey on, on alcohol? Why you don't actually have just one beer or two beers? Because obviously that's not really going to get you drunk. But what made you go completely teetotal? For me, I now associate
1: drinking back to negative times and negative thoughts. And even if I have one drink, I automatically, my mind reverts back to that negativity or the negative thoughts that I was experiencing at the time that I was using. And for me, that's enough just to, to do without it. Like I've got an alcohol free beer here, 0%. For me, it tastes as good as a normal beer. I love the yeah. You know, I do like the taste of beer, but I don't enjoy the effect of beer. So I can have three or four of these a night, and you know I'm not doing any harm. I'm not damaging my my mental health, and I'm in a far better place because of it the next day because I'm not hungover. Like I think there's alternatives to drinking nowadays that don't require the sacrifice. I know mates used to say to me, as part of their drinking, they'd say like. Let's say they were going out on a date or something they say, oh, I'm going to have a couple of shots of vodka before I go." and I say, well, "Why are you doing that?" I said, oh, I need a little bit of liquid confidence. And it, for me it was always like i don't I don't need liquid confidence. like I'm confident enough in myself that I don't need to have a couple of drinks to be myself and to be fun and to be enjoyable around somebody. And I think a lot of that comes back to how much do you value yourself? Do you have goals and ambitions? Like, what is your direction in life? And I think there's like a bigger picture to that, you know, liquid confidence. I think if you have goals, ambitions, uh, and, you know, you're driven to achieve something. For me, anyway, that gives me enough sense of confidence in myself that I don't need to drink.
0: I always think about your mates there. You said about your mates needing some liquid confidence. That makes me think that they've got some issues that they've not dealt with.
1: I just think when it comes to, what well, in that particular instance, talking with the opposite sex is something that they, they're they nervous in doing. Like they don't have, like conversation doesn't come easy to them, but by having a couple of drinks, suddenly they're a little bit more loose, they're a little bit more free-flowing, and they feel like it's easier to talk and interact. To be fair, I think that's something that perhaps a lot of guys deal with in, you know, not even just, you know, late teens, early twenties. I think there's, there's guys in their thirties and forties that probably have a hard time talking with or socializing in general, but I don't think it needs to be alcohol that substitutes, um, you know, that, that need for confidence.
0: Absolutely. And it's all about perspective as well, because for me, if I had two beers and I went on a date or did something that was nervous about, I'm not actually fully present. I'm not actually fully there in that moment because your, your, your presence is, altered a little bit by the alcohol. So it's almost like I prefer not to have that so I can be completely there with that person at that time. And if I've got any nerves, then deal with it because I feel like nerves are a natural thing. Why are we trying to avoid those things?
1: Yeah, I think it, it becomes like a masking agent for something else that needs to be dealt with. And perhaps that's the reason why you know, alcoholism exists because people are trying to hide or mask or... Deal with something that requires dealing with. Like if I cast my mind back, like...
0: We'll get back to the episode in a second. Before that, I just want to say, if you think this episode would be useful to a friend, send it along. You never know, it might just be the exact thing they're looking for today. And now back to the show.
1: I think for me, drinking and and using substances was, was an escape from normal life because I wasn't actually content with what I was doing. Like I was working in an office job. I didn't enjoy what I was doing. And when it finally got to the weekend, like I wanted to let my hair down and I wanted to go and have fun and I wanted to forget about normal life. You know, like I wanted to disappear into the into the night. You know, there's probably other guys and girls in a, in a similar position. And I, th- I think, it, again, it, it comes back to like, what what is your purpose? Like, why are you doing it? Is it because you're trying to mask something? because you're trying to fulfill something that doesn't exist elsewhere in life? I don't think there's any wrong answers, but I think it's interesting to look at yourself and say, why, why do I need to go out and get shit-faced on a Friday night? Is it because I'm not happy? Is it because I don't have the confidence to meet someone otherwise? And I think you know, there's a lot to be learned from that.
0: Definitely, there's a lot of escapism reasons as to why men have so much alcohol and they get like you say, they get shit-faced. Perhaps running away from issues they've got in their life. Say, for example, if they're in a nine-to-five money-to-Friday job and it gets to Friday and they just hating things, then they just want to have that escapism, don't they? And and beer is and alcohol is synonymous with that. And that's something that we, we need to address. But a lot of times we want to avoid pain and we want to seek pleasure. But actually, the next day you actually are in pain because you've got the hangover to deal with.
1: And I like it. I don't want to come across like I'm an alcohol Nazi. Like, you know, like a couple of beers <laughs> yeah. here and there, if you're up for it, is fine. I, I I don't drink myself, and I'm not saying that nobody should should drink, but I think it's yeah, it's it's worth looking at and asking yourself like, why are you drinking? Why do you feel the need to drink that copious amount of alcohol? <laughs> I'm curious. Are you are you a kind of an all or nothing kind of personality? Yeah, I'm definitely the same. Like, I'm all or nothing. Like, I'm. Diagnosed obsessive compulsive like on the bike I can channel my mindset so that nothing becomes impossible but I can also do that in other ways and for me it's the same with drinking like Aaron with using like I was all in for using and you know I spent a good couple of years of my life using pretty hard but now I'm all out and I, I don't see myself slipping back because I I have that sort of drive not to go back there and you know, I have other things in life that fulfill me on a day-to-day basis. But yeah, to answer the question, I am like 200% in or nothing.
0: Where do you think that comes from? Do you think it's just inbuilt in you to be at the extremes? It's a good question.
1: Like I come from a family where my parents are quite driven. Like my dad's ridden his bike around the world and my mum's climbed up Everest. And like I come from a family where, oh, if you want to call it like high, high achievers, are wanting to they, they want to do things well. Like my brother's actually Mister Australia, so he's um he's gone the other way. He's a (laughs) bodybuilder.
0: God. So your family is just full of successful people. What if you just wanted to be (laughs) a normal nine to five person? (laughs) Well, that's what I'm going to be
1: next year. I'm going to have a break from riding for a little while because I'm bloody tired. Um, (laughs) But no, yeah. So like, I haven't had pressure growing up, but it's more like we've grown up seeing like our parents achieve things and. You know, be ambitious about what they want to do, both working and outside of work. And I think, yeah, you know, we've we've essentially been um,
0: painted with the same brush, so to speak. Mm. I was going to say I've never done cycling long distances, but I, I did do something about 10 years ago. I cycled from Florida to New York ah, cool. over a three three and a half week period. It was particularly dangerous for the fact I didn't have health insurance. I did it on a on a whim, and I did it on a really ship mountain bike as well <laughs> like a second hand mountain bike i remember doing that and just feeling how amazing it was and constantly reminding myself to be to be present in that moment i've done i've done a lot of uh, running as well in the past i've done a marathon years ago but i didn't love i didn't love the pain enough to keep on doing it it was yeah. a joyful pain but i feel like a lot of it was not down to enjoyment in wanting to do it it was almost i felt like i needed to deal with some traumas in my life and that was the motivation uh, around it. So I was motivated by the pain of the trauma and because I don't have that trauma anymore, I don't feel motivated to do huge long distances. What, what is it that's motivating you to keep doing what you do?
1: I like, to be honest, like I just love being on the bike. Like I, like this year I've spent 1400 hours or something riding so far. And like, I, I, like I'm doing more, more every week than a rider does in the Tour de France. I've done that for 44 weeks. I think for me, it comes back to goal setting and that sense of achievement. And every day I go out and I go for a ride, I have a goal of what I want to achieve. And if I can achieve that, I feel a sense of achievement. The rest of my day just seems to fall into place. So that's one aspect of it. I also have a greater goal of wanting to help others. And so when the going gets tough, I drop it down a gear and I can push on further because I know what I'm doing is actually going to benefit other people. It's not just about me doing something for me. Uh, and, you know, I want to give back. Like I've suffered from mental health. I've suffered from depression and been into rehab. And I know what that's like. And the thought that if I can ride a bike and help other people, you know, overcome those difficult times and, you know, my life or my mission in in what I'm doing is it becomes very purposeful and yeah, it becomes quite easy that riding the
0: bike is it's the easy part, you know? Mm. We talked before recording about being an outsider. I think what you're doing and not just being a, a long distance cyclist, but also, well, ultra long distance cyclist, but the fact that you're doing it by yourself as well puts you in a even smaller sort of niche category. Where does this motivation or where does this pursuit of being an outsider come from, do you think?
1: I think we all have a level that we can reach as a human, like whether it's performance level or, um, you know, we, ha- we have something that we can live up to. And I read this book recently that said, imagine if you, that when you died, you realized that you'd actually never lived up to your full potential. Like, how would you feel about that? And you know, like we, we discussed it before, you, you could die tonight, you could die in a week's time. I don't want to die thinking that I didn't do everything that I wanted to do and I didn't push myself as hard as I could push myself to achieve as much as I could achieve, I'm here to live life because I only get one chance to live it. And I'm going to do the best that I possibly can. That's enough for me.
0: Hmm. It's, It's a life well lived, isn't it? Exactly. And I've had those feelings before of when people say, oh, what's your biggest fear in life? I always say mediocrity. But then I start to think, well, why do I fear mediocrity? Is it because I'm driven by my ego because I feel like I want to be the more successful at this, that, or the other. Do you think you're driven by ego in any way?
1: I don't think it's driven by ego. I think it's I'm driven by wanting to be the best possible me that I can. And yeah, I'm like you. I don't, I don't want to be mediocre. I don't want to be normal. Like for me, like living a normal, a normal life, like living by societal norms is fucking boring. Like. Yeah, you know, there's enough people doing that. Like, I want to push the limit of mm. of what the human body is capable of, and I, you know, I want to pursue that. Mm. It's a sense of freedom. It's a sense of exploration. It's a sense of you know, it's all these sort of goals, and like, it's an exciting life to live.
0: There's a quote that I, I remember years ago, and I remember the line. It said, "I wanted movement and not a calm course of existence." And it's always this feeling of progression, 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 because I've had times where I've just settled back. I've just kind of not really pushed myself any further. I've got, maybe I've got to a point and then just sort of said to myself, made that decision. I'm just just gonna allow myself to plateau for a while. And those were the times where depression and anxiety kicked in. Have you ever had that sort of experience?
1: Yeah, I think, so like as a cyclist, we often, we're like under contracts with different brands or teams. And often you'll sign a one year contract in which case you're always eager to please because you know, what's, you know next year you're going to have to negotiate that contract again. Sometimes you sign a two-year contract. And what I find in the past, I've slipped into the, the mindset of, oh, I don't need to try as hard in delivering this year because next year I still have another year in my contract. And I've found that at the end of my second year, a sponsor might say, you know, we don't want to renew your contract because you actually didn't perform in that first year. And that happened to me once a couple of years ago. And since then I've learned like, you can never settle for doing the bare minimum. Like you have to be proactive. You have to, you know, you're not getting paid to be average, like push yourself, do as well as you can. And there's a sense of reward in oneself in doing that.
0: Listening to Jack's story makes me think about all the decisions that we make when we're under peer pressure from our friends and our networks. It made me think about instances where I think my life would have been different if I hadn't succumbed to peer pressure. An example of peer pressure takes me back to when I was 18 and there was an expectation that I was going to lose my virginity to a girl I'd met a few weeks previously. So I met this girl for a second time in Wigan and I remember her friend driving us home back to my house And after a few hours of kissing and doing other things, I just didn't know what I was doing. And we actually didn't end up having sex, and therefore I didn't lose my virginity. But the next day, I remember all of my friends asking me how it was and saying, it must be amazing now that you know that you've lost your virginity. And I didn't say yes, and I didn't say no. So I didn't tell the truth, but I didn't lie either. I just kind of kept quiet, which made them think that I actually had lost my virginity, even though I hadn't. And I just felt this weight off my shoulders completely go, I didn't have that pressure anymore even though I was misleading them and I feel like if I hadn't had the peer pressure to lose my virginity I probably would have just been honest and said listen guys it just didn't happen for all these other reasons but I didn't want to have the piss taken out of me or can't believe you didn't know what you were doing you know there's this expectation that you know what you're doing in this scenario. Nowadays, I don't really drink that much, but thinking back to my late teens and early twenties and even mid twenties, we have this expectation or this idea in our mind that drinking makes us more manly. We want to be more masculine in a lot of cases Well, I'm talking for myself personally. And it makes me think, why do we link drinking pints, drinking beer, having alcohol with being manly? Why do we link those two together? It's this sort of stereotype of what a masculine man is. Oh, he drinks pints. He meets lots of women, he watches sports in the pub, he goes plays football or rugby or whatever. Nowadays I'm almost more intrigued and more interested in people who don't necessarily conform to this sort of idealised perception of what a masculine man is. I'd not drank until recently for about 10 weeks and I met an English guy whilst travelling and I ended up drinking again. I almost didn't want to have the repeated questions of, why are you not drinking are you having the next drink and i wasn't really necessarily drinking very much maybe two or three drinks a night but i just wanted to keep up this perception that i do drink and i'm not some weird guy who doesn't drink because there is this perception in the uk that if you don't drink you're somehow weird i also have this inbuilt feeling within me that i need to justify myself in some way if i'm not drinking And I remember saying to this guy recently, oh well, I'm not drinking a lot at the moment because I had a big spell of drinking constantly, so I want to cut back. But what if I just say, well, I just don't want to drink right now and not feel the need to justify myself? What's really fascinating is it's almost this new normal that's established now where 16 to 24-year-olds are rapidly reducing the amount of alcohol they drink or there's a big section of society that just do not drink at all. A 2015 study I was reading about saw that 25% of 16 to 24 year olds don't drink anything at all, they're tea total. So is this a new pattern that's emerging right now that's going to continue into the future? Jack's story made me think about this all or nothing mentality. Recognising this mindset within ourselves and refraining from this can be considered a bold decision. I see this within myself and I see this within my social circle as well. It's sort of this Okay, I'm going to go out on Friday or Saturday night. I'm going to drink eight to 10 pints and vodkas and whatever, or I'm not going to drink anything at all. So I still think there's a long way to go to move away from this all or nothing mindset around alcohol. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that an all or nothing mindset is bad, because in Jack's case, it worked really well for him and he's breaking records all the time by being all in on cycling. So a question to ask yourself is, do you have an all or nothing mindset? And is this a good or bad thing for you? Before you go, let me tell you about our man test. The team and I created it with the belief that every man has hidden, untapped potential, and I want to help you discover what it could be. Let's face it, we've all got dreams and aspirations, but the stresses of life can get in the way. I know I've been there myself. As men, Each one of us has skills and knowledge that sets us apart from the rest. It's about discovering what they are and making the most of them. The man test is simple. It takes less than three minutes and will help you discover your true strengths and talents by working out what kind of modern man you really are. Find the link in the show notes and take the man test today. You never know, you might just learn something new about yourself that you didn't know before.